For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, No Nation? It's your guy, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Welcome to the Built for Playmakers YouTube channel, where we talk FSU all day, every day. Hopefully, your 2024 has gone off to a great start. Um, man, it's been a wild time to be an FSU fan, but I feel like we finally turned the corner uh, from uh, – Everything that happened in, in December, um, man, it's been a crazy time to be an FSU fan, but I couldn't think of a better time to be an FSU fan now. In this particular video, we're going to talk about FSU holding on to Mike Novell with Alabama pursuing. We're going to talk about some potential 2024 additions from the high school ranks, as well as um, all of the guys that FSU has gotten from the transfer portal and who could potentially uh, be coming. Uh, if you, um, if this is your first time checking out the channel, I really appreciate it. Those of you that have been rocking with me for a while, um, you know how we do. I really appreciate the support. You might you might have seen me yesterday on the Renegade Report uh, YouTube show uh, with my guy George, um, Jen, and Jesse from Plant the Spear. If you haven't had a chance, you can check that out. Covered a lot of great information there. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and like this and share this um, and subscribe if you haven't. But, yeah, let's talk about it. Mike Novell. Um, decides to stay at FSU, and I never really thought Mike was going to take the Alabama job. You know, in the last video, I kind of talked about why, all the reasons why he, you know, he shouldn't take the job. And, but you know, when you're in that position, you have to listen to the options. Um, if you're ever in that position in real life with a, an opportunity to take another job for more money or whatever, you always want to listen. Um, but I felt like Mike was never really interested in the job, but it's more so like, hey, I know I want to be at FSU, but it's a way to kind of check FSU as far as not really using, not really using leverage, but you always want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you know, on the same accord, so to speak, you know, so, you know, Mike, you know, here's what Alabama has to say, you know, he can listen to that and then you know, come to FSU and, you know, say, hey, you know, this was going on. Um, can you assure me of you know, X, Y, Z? Right? I, don't, I don't really think it was about the money per se. Granted, you know, Mike has earned every bit of the money that he's gotten from FSU with what he inherited and where he's brought the program to. But, you know, you have, you know, obviously you're in the ACC. You're, you're suing to get out of the ACC. And you, you kind of want to have assurances that that's going to happen. You know, you want to have assurances that, you know, you're, you're the administration's fully locked in to, you know, given, you know, giving him all the resources needed to compete at an elite level, um, especially considering you're not going to leave. You're not leaving the ACC like this year. You know, it's going to be probably two years before you're out of the conference. Um, so you're still going to have that, you know, disadvantage, so to speak, as far as the revenue gap um, with those SEC and Big Ten teams. 
But obviously, you know, uh, Michael Alford and FSU president, um, you know, all of these guys are in lockstep. You know, they're all in on, F- on FSU football because they know that's what drives everything. That's what, you know, drives the revenue for your, your non-revenue sports. And, man, aside from Mike Novell, one of the best hires that FSU has made has been uh, Michael uh, Alford. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that. Alfred understands the importance of keeping Mike Novell. And also, I think Mike knew strategically, you know, he's, he's a very detailed guy. I think Mike knew, hey, I have an opportunity, but if I stay at FSU, you know, I can I can not necessarily spin this because it's not a spin. It's true. Mike could tell, you know, recruits, hey, I had an opportunity to leave. Obviously, I'm not leaving. You know, I signed an eight-year extension. FSU is where I want to be. And, you know, you, I mean, if Alabama wants you, obviously, you know, that, that, you know, that tells everybody that you're a great coach, even though the the product itself, you know, it kind of lets everybody know that, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's a great coach, but basically everything he's been saying since he's arrived at FSU, you know, Hey, I know we, we're not good right now, but this is where we're going. And so you can look at the track record from, you know, 2020, got better in 2021, obviously 2022, you got better. Obviously 2023, you went undefeated. And so you have a track record of, of basically accomplishing what you tell people you're going to do. Um, and you're going to be at FSU long-term. And so, um, you know, now, you know, and I'm sure Mike has already done this. Uh, Mike has already, you know, visited guys in the 2025 class and, you know, that's what he's telling them. Hey, I could have left. I'm not leaving. FSU is where I want to go. You know, we're building something special. We're continue, continuing to build something special. You know, you can see where we were. I told you we're going to be here. We're here. This is where we're going. And so that only, you know, that only, you know, solidifies, you know, his message to um, your recruits. And obviously that's the lifeblood of the program. Um, but yeah, it's big time, man. I mean, if, if for whatever reason he left, FSU and went to Alabama, man, that's probably the, that's probably the death nail for FSU. Um, I don't know. I don't know if fans could have recovered from that, man, because I mean, it was just body blow after body blow after body blow with, you know, getting snubbed from the playoff. Um, you know, I don't think it's really a big deal, but obviously the, the optics of it, you know, having a couple guys flip, uh, well, really, one guy to flip. We knew about one of them. Uh, you have him, KJ Bolden, to you know, you know, go to Georgia instead of signing with FSU, and um, you know, so and then obviously, you know, suing, or, you know, trying to leave the ACC, and um, yeah, you know, and, and so if you if you'd have had Mike Neville leave, man, um, that's that 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 would have been tough because you're talking about guys, all the guys that have been, that have committed from the portal, you know, they probably would have re-entered the portal. Um, guys that signed probably would hit the portal. I mean, who are you going to, who, who would want to coach in that situation? Who, you know, who could they could, uh, excuse me, who could they have gotten to come in that situation when you're in the midst of, you know, trying to leave a conference, it just would have been, it would have been hell. Um, it would have been tough for FSU to come back from. And also it would have been the the second time essentially that, you know, 
another uh, another SEC team is quote unquote poached uh, your head coach. Um, but obviously, all of that is avoided, and um, I feel like I feel like FSU is 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 clearly going to be one of the top programs in the country for the foreseeable future. You, you got a guy, Mark, Mike Novell, who's only 42 years old. I mean, by the time this eight year contract expires, if it even gets to that point, he's still only going to be 50. Um, so even in eight years, he's still going to be like way younger than, uh, you know, Dabo's like 54, obviously Saban's like 70. Uh, you know, he's still one of the, crazy young, you know, one of the youngest coaches in the game. And he's already got FSU, you know, up to uh, as one of the top programs, back to one of the top programs in the country. And, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing from a, a, a coaching standpoint, uh, a recruiting standpoint. Um, I know some people still doubt his ability to recruit high school. I'm telling you to, to just, that's nonsense. Now God knows what he's doing. Um, and I keep saying this. I want to do an, an episode on uh, transfer portal versus high school recruiting. Um, they clearly have a strategy as far as certain positions. So it's not that they can't recruit certain positions at the high school level. It's a decision, I believe, to do something different that's way ahead of the curve compared to what uh, programs traditionally do in and Mike has shown that he's not afraid to, to be ahead of the curve. Um, obviously, he was one of the first to embrace the transfer portal. And a lot of people kept saying at the time, you know, it's not it's not sustainable. You know, you can't do this. You know, da, 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 da. what about team chemistry, culture and all that? Listen, when you can evaluate at a high level and you have a track record now and you have a good culture, it's sustainable. Is sustainable, you know. Um, yes, it depends on you know players entering the portal and, and getting those players, but it's no different than high school. You got to recruit against other programs, and you know, in high school, um, and so it's the same process as far as um, the, the transfer portal. Um, but again, I want to save that for another episode um, because I, I want to be able to get into kind of what I think the strategy is and why it's effective. Well, we know it's effective um, opposed to just straight, you know, taking a lot of project guys, even though they're highly ranked from uh, the uh, the high school um, area. Okay. But speaking of high school recruiting, uh, apparently FSU is not done um, recruiting in the 2024 recruiting cycle from the, 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 the prep um, ranks. Um, we do have um, Amari Williams, who is a guy that was class of 2025. He reclassified to 2024 and took an official visit to FSU right before uh, the early signing period. Um, did not sign with FSU. And so at the time, you know, all of us were thinking like, man, that was kind of a gamble that didn't work because, you know, he didn't sign. You know, he still has four other visits that he can take. Um and FSU was the first one, so they, you know, they kind of already shot that bullet, so to speak. Um, but here recently, it looks like he's uh, beginning to trend towards or trend back towards FSU. Not that he was trending anywhere else because he hasn't visited anywhere else as far as officially. Um, but it looks like, you know, he will um, potentially wind up in this 2024 recruiting class. And so it's a guy that's, you know, 6'4", 215, defensive end. He's listed as an athlete, but... 
Um, God is going to take a year. He's going to need a year or so to develop and um, get his body ready to play at the college level. Um, but it is it is the type of player that you want. Um, even with the weak classification from 2025 to 2024, he's still a top 200 player. I think he's 193 overall. Um, so quality get um, to uh, to help um, boost the um, the ranking of the uh, 2024 high school recruiting class. So with his addition, they would go from number 10 to number seven. Um, then there's one more potential addition uh, that kind of broke earlier uh, here on Monday. And that's uh, quarterback Trevor Jackson from Jones High School. And um, he is a blue chip recruit that uh, that FSU has had uh, at several camps um, back in 2022. He's uh, you know been to uh, at least one game. I know he was at the Georgia game, uh, excuse me, not Georgia, the Florida game in, uh, in Doak uh, back in 2022. And, um, and currently he is um, the number 348 player uh, overall and the number 22 quarterback in the country. So before FSU added um, DJ um, uh, U, uh, they only had two scholarship quarterbacks. And, you know, that's obviously uh, Brock Glenn and uh, Luke Cromenhoek. And so with DJ in the fold, that's three. Mike Neville likes to keep four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Um, I don't think Jackson has received an offer yet. You know, he could, if he joins the program, could be a preferred walk-on um, because the numbers are kind of tight um, with all of the portal additions. Um, but he's a 6'3", 185-pound guy. Um, very, very raw. Um, he, but he did make the elite level, elite eleven finals um, last year and uh, won the uh, rail shot challenge. Uh, so he's he's you know, capable of making some high level throws, but he's very, very green, very raw, and would uh, it's it's kind of what you would want because you kind of have uh, a young guy in Brock Glenn who got some experience this past year. Crumlin Hulk is 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 still somewhat raw. Um, and, he, you know, he'll need a year to develop. Um, but then, you know, Jackson is a, a guy that you can kind of bring in um, for depth. And um, he's got some ability to run. Uh, he, I think he rushed for like 800 yards um, this past year and 10 touchdowns. Um, not a, not highly accurate through the air. Uh, he completed um, 55% of his passes this past year, um, below 60% overall in high school. Um, which is less than ideal, but again, this is you, you know this is kind of more of a, a project, so to speak, in depth piece uh, to get you um, some more depth in the room. So, um, but he's still you know he's um you know he's he's ranked as a blue chip, um, like I said, a ninety grade overall. Um, so you know potentially something to work with. You know I think it's kind of funny uh, if he if he is added into the class, you uh, you have FSU who's able to get two blue chip quarterback players. And Miami isn't able to get one. Um, so everybody talking about Mario Cristobal being able to recruit at an elite level. You know, there's levels to it. Um, you know, if you can get a guy like this to 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 walk on potentially, and that's big time. It also tells you that recruits want to come to Florida State and they're buying into what you know FSU is selling. Obviously, you got um, Jordan Travis. Um, and his track record under Mike Novell, and then Mike Novell can you know, point back to um, the guys that he had at Memphis and what they were able to do. And um, you, you got you got some um, 
you got some production there that should make guys want to come play for him. Um, but let's move right along into the uh, the portal additions that we have uh, thus far. Now I'm going to share the screen here. Let me get that out of the way. Okay. And man, FSU has these coaches have me ready to lie. I mean, I can't even. I mean, it's crazy uh, the amount of talent that they have they have landed from the transfer portal. Uh, and we'll just start at the bottom. So obviously we we have Marvin Jones Jr. And then the pre one of the previous videos, I talked about how FSU lacked depth at the defensive end position. Uh, when you go back and look at the 2022 team compared to what they have now, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, former five-star, has two years of eligibility remaining, was playing in a, a 3-4 scheme that does not did not maximize what he brings to the table. FSU runs a 4-2-5, which will put him in a better position to make plays off the edge. And, um, you know, obviously you got to replace Jared Verse. Um, Gilbert Edmond has transferred back to South Carolina. But Marvin Jones Jr. was the first piece that they got from the transfer portal and a very valuable piece. Um, so expect, I expect big things from him if he can stay healthy. You have Jalen Brown, who's a guy that FSU finished second for coming out of high school in the 2023 recruiting class, went to LSU instead, um, didn't uh, achieve any stats there. Um, but essentially, Goldie Lawrence was a three-star recruiter receiver from the same recruiting class has entered the transfer portal. So basically you're you're exchanging a three-star guy in Goldie who went to uh, USF, I think it was, for uh, Jalen Brown, who was like a top 70 um, overall player coming out of high school. So four years of elig eligibility remaining, a burner, 10-6 um, speed in the 100-meter dash coming out of high school. So that's something that you'll, you'll see with the coaching staff. They're looking to bring speed and they have brought, I mean, it is, you're talking about elite speed uh, coming uh, to the nose. Um, and also um, you'll see that, you know, we have a few guys from the portal at wide receiver. And when you look back at this past year, depth was an issue. You know, Keon Coleman banged up, Johnny Wilson banged up, uh, Kentron Portier banged up, uh, Ja'Kai Douglas banged up, Jaheim Bell banged up. So you had a, a, a lot of guys that were hurt throughout the season. And and as the season wore on, you know, that that depth took a hit. And so that's why you saw a lot of the production offensively uh, kind of trend down um, even before Jordan Travis uh, was lost for the year. Um, so you're seeing that not only are they bringing in speed at wide receiver, they're also looking to establish depth in that position. So you have to lean on just two or three guys uh, for the majority of your production. Okay, the next guy that they brought in, Earl Little, uh, the second, which is another guy that they finished second for uh, coming out of high school. He decided to go to Alabama. And that's a, something that, you know, that's a trend that you're going to see here. Alabama to FSU. Um, and got several guys and could get more from Alabama. But Earl Little Jr. or not Jr., but Earl Little, the second. Um, he's going to have two years of eligibility left, which is another common theme you're going to get got multiple guys with multiple years of eligibility left. Um, Earl Little probably will uh, go into the slot uh, and replace Jerry and Jones, uh, which who played at a very high level this past season. And um, 
you know, Errol Little is someone that physically is ready to play. Um, you know, didn't play that much at Alabama, but obviously if you go there, you're going to get you know, great coaching. And so I expect him to be a, a very valuable addition in the FSU secondary. The next guy uh, is Grady Kelly from Colorado State. You had uh, Malcolm Ray to uh, transfer out to Rutgers. Uh, you lost uh, Fabian Lovett to the NFL. You lost um, Braden Fisk to the NFL. Um, and so you needed depth uh, at that position. And Grady Kelly kind of fills that. Um, 6'2", 293. Um, so he's similar to uh, uh, Malcolm Ray. He's not Braden Fisk. Um, but I think he has a bit better motor than Malcolm and maybe higher upside. One good thing also is he has two years of eligibility remaining. So that also helps helps your depth because you probably will lose Joshua Farmer and um, Daryl Jackson uh, after this 2024 season. So uh, Grady Kelly, a, a good get. I would not mind if FSU were to take another defensive tackle, if they could get a quality one. Um, we'll see um, how that shakes out and what they ultimately decide to do. But Grady Kelly is someone that can play. Um, he's not a, you know, he's not a, like I said, he's not a brain fisk, but, you know, he's someone that can come in and give you quality snaps. The next guy he brought in is Jalen Lucas, which is the younger brother of Ja'Kai Douglas coming from Indiana. He's kind of and he's similar to Ja'Kai. He's, um, you know, he's, he played running back there, but he's more well-known for his uh, kickoff returns special teams play um he's he's faster than jakai probably a bit more shifty he's definitely somebody that can make a difference on special teams as well as uh in space uh you know you i could see him uh in direct snaps on offense i could see him in the slot on offense i could see him catching passes out of the backfield uh you know trying to match him up on a safety or a linebacker that would be an absolute nightmare for opposing uh, defenses um, so Jalen Lucas is another guy with two years of eligibility left. And, um, you know, I think he can play a uh, final role on this particular team. He also did some punt return. Um, obviously, FSU lost Keon Coleman. Um, he wasn't really productive as a punt returner, but but obviously, um, you know, he, he has the ability to do that. So we'll see if he can also um, kind of slide into that, that role as well. Uh, Devontae Brown was a guy that FSU recruited uh, in the past um, recruiting cycle in the transfer portal. He ultimately decided to go to Miami after having um, two productive years at UCF. Uh, didn't play well at Miami for whatever reason, um, but he was coached by um, uh, Pat Sertan out of high school. And so um, Sertan liked him enough to bring him back. So he could be a preferred walk on potentially, but he'll be he'll be uh, at the safety position, which we know kind of has uh, some depth issues with the departure of Akeem Dent uh, from uh, the secondary to the NFL. You got Conrad Hussey, you got um, KJ Kirkland. So a lot of, you got some young guys there along with Shaheen Brown. Um, so Devonte Brown brings a lot of experience and depth. Uh, he's not a, you know, he's not a huge impact guy, but uh, I, I'll say this. If, if Sertan wants him, it's cool with me. Also, I don't trust Miami's coaches because they, they haven't shown that they can develop anyone down there. Um, so I welcome that addition to the FSU secondary that, again, is still relatively young um, and, and needs some experience back there. The next guy I mentioned uh, in Alabama to FSU pipeline is Malik Benson, uh, 6'1", around 200 pounds. 
when I talk about elite speed, this is elite speed. 10-4, 100 meters coming out of high school. A guy that can that can take their top off literally of a defense. Um, had a ton of production in JUCO. He, he went from uh, came from Hutchinson's Community College, uh, went to Alabama. Only had 13 receptions for 162 yards and one touchdown. But we know that Alabama's passing attack wasn't great with Jalen Milrose at quarterback. And so I like what FSU can do with him. Um, he's physical, um, he's strong, he's hard to bring down, even though he's only 6'1". Um, he's got a, a, a nice frame to him, though. Um, and, um, yeah, I like this one a lot. The good thing with Benson also is he only has one year of eligibility left. So the younger guys, uh, the Hakeem Williams, the Destin Hills, the Redrevious Jacobs, um, all of those young guys, along with all of the the four young wide receivers coming in out of high school, they shouldn't be scared off with him um, because he'll be at FSU for one year, then he'll be gone. Um, so that's another uh, you know, way to look at how the coaches kind of piece these puzzles together. Not only do you have to acquire talent, you, you don't want to run off younger talent. Um, so you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, who you bring in based on talent level, how many years of eligibility they have left, all that good stuff. Um, the next guy that um, and was one of the most important uh, uh, acquisitions is DJ Uangalale, uh, um, who will replace Jordan Travis. Um, I, I broke down DJ's tape uh, last month before he committed. I really like to take a lot of experience, proven winner, um, I think he's going to um, make this offense uh, more efficient. And also he has the arm to stretch the field um, more vertically. And so I think that's also why you see FSU kind of bringing in these guys with elite speed. So if you're able to take the top off of a defense um, through the air, obviously that's going to open up the running game. Uh, DJ can help in the running game also. Um, he ran for over 500 yards when he was at Clemson. Didn't run as much at Oregon State this past season, but I think FSU will, will probably tap back into that aspect of his game. Um, third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two should be no problem with a guy that's 6'4", 250 pounds. So that's an area that FSU struggled in the past couple of years. Uh, that's one of the key reasons they lost to Clemson back in 2022. They failed to convert several third and shorts and, and one fourth and short. Um, so um, really like what DJ brings to the table. He should be able to help these younger quarterbacks I mentioned earlier in Brock Lynn and Luke Cromenhoek. And um, he, he'll be a great bridge piece um, until those guys are ready to play. Another guy that um, – so we mentioned defensive end being a position of need. And, man, FSU really hit it out of the park with these defensive end acquisitions. So we mentioned uh, Marvin Jones Jr. The next one is uh, Tomiwa. Duraja from West Virginia, who has three years of eligibility left. So, again, where we talked about uh, FSU not wanting to scare off some younger players uh, at wide receiver and only and bringing in Benson with, with one year of eligibility left, obviously they know that they need depth at defensive end. And so uh, Duraja having three years of eligibility helps with that because um, you know you're going to have him for a certain uh, a longer period of time. Uh, but, man, high-motor guy, a guy that's explosive, um, still raw, um, but I like a ton. I mean, he's he's played last year at 6'4", 280. 
Um, so, I mean, he's a big boy, but, uh, he's, he's, he's got a, a big motor and he can move. Um, so, um, yeah, I think he's going to be really productive in FSU scheme. Uh, again, FSU goes back to the defensive, excuse me, defensive end position. And you have the Oregon State connection uh, with Sione Lolohia, uh, who played with DJU uh, there, an all pack um, conference performer. He has one year of eligibility remaining, 6'3, 265, high motor guy, excellent against the run. And so when you look at defensive end now, you're going to have Patrick Payton. You're going to have Byron Turner Jr. You're going to have Marvin Jones Jr. You're going to have um, Tamiwa Durja. And you're going to have Lola Hill. That is way more uh, proven depth than you had at any point last year or in 2022. Um, so you got guys in there that you can just plug and play. And you've got experience, production, depth. Um, that defense, that defensive line should be should be a handful for most of the offenses you're going to face in 2024. The next addition, I mentioned the Alabama to FSU pipelines, Terrence Ferguson. And the crazy thing is, these guys were coming to FSU before Nick Saban announced he was going to retire. Terrence Ferguson is an interior offensive lineman. Um, that FSU recruited out of high school. Also, um, you compare him with um, some of the other interior guys FSU has and Keandre Jones and um, another guy that we'll talk about uh, here in a, in a few minutes. Um, but so Ferguson gives you um, a guy that uh, is ready to play physically, um, has some experience um, while you have some younger guys in the wings you know that you got to continue to bring along, uh, and hopefully they can to you know, can uh, contribute in 2024. Um, so really like that piece. He's rated as a blue um, blue chip player as a transfer, um, a former uh, 97 grade coming out of high school. Um, next we have Rodell Williams, another uh, Alabama a former Alabama player uh, running back. So you say, well, why why did why did they bring somebody in and running back? Um, they don't really need a running back. Well. Lawrence Toafili is the most experienced running back returning, um, and he's you know coming off of he had to have a procedure done. That's why he missed the Orange Bowl. Uh, you have Kaziah Holmes, who played sparingly this past year, and then you have uh, Cam Davis and Sam Singleton. So Sam Singleton played you know uh, in like four or five games this past year. Cam Davis will be a true freshman. So you don't have a ton of experience returning uh, at running back with the loss of Trey Benson. Um, but what Rodell Williams does is he kind of brings you um, – he has over 1,100 rushing yards and, you know, a couple hundred uh, attempts in college and like 11 touchdowns. So you have experience, production. Um, I think he's close to a Trayshawn Ward but bigger, stronger, and may have a little bit more speed than Trayshawn. But he, he runs with patience. Um, he can break tackles. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so you have a guy that's you know proven. You don't have to depend on the young guys so much. You can kind of bring them along and prepare them for 2025 while giving them touches, but not having a ton of drop off at the running back position. So I like the I like the Rodell Williams take um, quite a bit. Um, then we also have um, last but not least at the time of this recording, there's a potential to add a couple more guys. Uh, I'll mention at the end of this, but the last guy as of right now. 
um, which is Monday at 2.30, is Rich E. Leonard um, the fourth, who played at Florida. So you have a guy that played his, his career at Florida, willing to leave Florida, throw aside the rivalry, come over to the good guys and become a winner. Um, Leonard can play center. He can play guard. Um, he started uh, every game for Florida this past year. They're, he was their best, most dependable offensive lineman. Um, so you pair him with um, Terrence Ferguson. You pair him with Ken Jerry Jones. You pair him with Maurice Smith. Uh, you pair him with, uh, you know, um, whoever else the FSU has there on the interior. And you got, you know, proven depth experience and uh, a, a high quality player. So that's 13 guys that FSU has has brought in. Now, uh, they haven't ranked Leonard as a transfer, but I would I would say he's a blue chip as well. So basically, you're going to have um, 10 out of 13 um, transfers who are ranked as blue chip players. Um, you're talking about you know near 70 percent blue chip player overall when you look at the prep class in 2024, as well as uh, the transfer portal. Um, that is outstanding, outstanding. Um, and so people that say that, you know, Mike Novell can't recruit. Yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's about evaluations um, more so than just looking at star rankings, guys. Um, but he's bringing in a mixture of proven production and experience, you know, and then you're looking at the eligibility that those guys have remaining, you know, they they fit you know nearly perfectly with what FSU has at different positions. Um, the the lone position that they they have to address will be um, linebacker. Um, so one thing uh, he didn't really count as a as a portal guy would be DJ London withdrawing from the portal and returning to FSU. That's really big because DJ um, you know he's been through the fire. You know he was at, he was at FSU whenever they were terrible. Um, so he's been with them through the entire process. He knows the defensive scheme like the back of his hand. Um, he's been productive, really good against the run. Uh, he should be very helpful in um, helping to bring these young guys, Omar Graham Jr., Blake Nicholson, Justin Cryer, DeMarco, De, DeMarco Ward, uh, so forth and so on, uh, along in the scheme. Um, so him coming back is huge. Uh, it also eliminates uh, FSU having to bring in an additional body. Uh, to learn the defense and then try to learn, you know, uh, your younger uh, teammates and all that good stuff. So, but FSU still needs help in the portal from linebacker, from the linebacker position. Um, I know they like the guy from Charlotte who's working through some, some academic things, I think. So he could potentially join the program later uh, after the spring. Um, I know they have the Alabama, uh, Alabama linebacker, Sean Murphy on campus right now. And it, Look, there's some smoke there. Um, it's not official. We'll see what happens by the time this is finished and posted. He could have already popped and joined um, the program. Um, so, again, it would be an Alabama to FSU pipeline. Murphy does not have much production in his uh, time at Alabama, but he's um, physically ready to play. He's like 6'2", 225. Very similar to Lundy, so to speak, but probably a higher ceiling. Um, I was I was thinking that FSU would probably want to bring in someone with um, a bit more production than him if, if he does pop. But we've seen FSU take a guy with little to no production in Kalen the Loach. Uh, I think the, Kalen had like seven tackles as a career high. 
uh, in 2021 um, before he really burst on the scene in 2022. No, I'm sorry. It was 2020. He he came in 2021 and had like 69 tackles um, that season. So we've seen the staff be able to take a guy with little to no production and make them make them productive. Right. Um, so I'm at the point where I wrote an article on Chop Chat that, you know, they know what they're doing. They're, listen, you're not going to know what you're doing in every single position except for linebacker. Right. Um, so they have a plan there. It's just about seeing what's available and finding the best options that fit into what they're trying to do. So um, we'll see what happens there, but man, I am really excited about what FSU has done uh, in the transfer portal and this 2024 class overall. Um, I think FSU is clearly um, obviously the top program in the ACC moving forward. Um, you know, Clemson is, you know, for for whatever reason, Dabo continues to be stubborn and not use the transfer portal. That's going to cost him. Um, whenever you have the momentum that Dabo had and then you lose it, it's extremely difficult to recapture that momentum. Um, just see, see Jimbo Fisher. And I don't think I don't think Dabo is going to be able to recapture that um, that momentum that he used to have. They don't have the guys that they had on that team. Um, from a couple years ago, and it looks like FSU overall has has really closed that gap um, between um, Clemson and themselves. If if not surpassed them overall, um, I mean FSU has a ton of talent. I mean you're talking about a ton of former top 100, top 150 players on their team, uh, and when you mix that with the coaches uh, and their ability to coach and put guys in, in positions to uh, to to be productive. Amen. It's a it's a lot to be excited about uh, moving forward. So um, but that's pretty much all that I had uh, on this particular episode. Like I said, it had been a while since I was able to uh, to touch base with you guys aside from the show yesterday. But I uh, really appreciate the support. Make sure you like this, subscribe, um, turn those notifications on. I needed to turn those notifications on. Um, also, feel free to, to join as a member um, for exclusive access to different things that we're going to do, uh, film reviews, live streams and things like that. And um, again, appreciate the support. And uh, we'll probably talk to you guys uh, in, a, in the next couple of days, depending on what happens. Um, but until the next time, go Nose. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.